What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Gridiron Authority podcast. My name is Keith Thornton. With me, as always, my co-host, Mike Adams. Mike, what do we got in store this episode? This week, we're going to be going over a week five NFL recap and then a week six preview. Uh, we'll be covering our pickums in this, talking about the NFL headlines and discussing some of the head-to-head ma- uh, matchups uh, from week five and the head-to-head matchups to look forward to for week six. All right, let's get it. All right, let's get started with our week five recap. On Thursday night, the Rams traveled to tra- take on the Seahawks in an NFC West matchup. Uh, Seahawks win, hold off the Rams. M- Rams miss a last-second field goal. Uh, what were your impressions from this game? I mean, we we I think we all knew it was going to be a good game. It's going to be a hard-fought game. Uh, I mean, some surprises. Uh, Chris Carson ran for 118 yards, kind of shredded the uh, – the Rams defense, um, you know, a lot of people are are uh, blaming the the Rams loss on that that missed field goal at the end of the game, but the Seahawks also missed a field goal, so you can't you can't really blame it on that. Um, I think what it came down to for me personally was uh, the the Seahawks were just more balanced. Uh, Russell Wilson threw the ball extremely well, ran the ball well. The uh, as I talked about, Chris Carson, 118 yards. Um, Jared Goff threw the ball well, uh, you know, for the most part again, but, you know, 395 yards, one touchdown, one interception. But again, the Rams just, they're not running the ball. They're not using Todd Gurley again. Um, he, he had two touchdowns, which is nice, but he still only had 15 rushing attempts. And you're, you're talking about a guy that was an MVP candidate last year. And you're, you know, you're not really giving him the ball as much as you should. He should be touching it 25 times every game. And, uh, between rushing attempts and receiving attempt or uh, receptions, he only had 18 touches the entire game. So, um, again, still still not getting him involved um, the way I'd like to see. But it was a good game. Um, I mean, like I said, kind of kind of went how we figured it would go. So, yeah, and I I think uh, you know it's weird talking about the Rams' balance because. When you look at what their attempts are, 49 pass attempts for Jared Goff and only 18 rushing attempts total on the, and Todd Gurley had 15 of those. So when you look at it, they're well over, you know, half of a run than they are a pass team. So it, it's insane to me when you have that quarter or that running back in Todd Gurley that they just aren't running the football and, and it shows up week after week. And we've talked about it since the beginning of the season, whether something's wrong with Todd Gurley. Um, or they're just it's offense trying to save him for later in the year. Either way, they need to get him rolling, right? Ab- absolutely. And and again, they're they're very you know protective of of whatever it is. I mean, to me, it's it, it, you know I understand not wanting to inform other teams that your star running back is is banged up or not right, but. Um, if you're just trying to save him, just come out and say, hey, you know what? Like this is early in the season. Uh, we're still in good shape. We're, you know, we're still looking good, you know, in a good position to to make a playoff run. Right now we're trying to save Gurley for later in the year when we when everyone's tired and we want to be able to pound that ball. Um, you know, just come out and say it. But right now they they're playing it off as if there's nothing wrong and they're not doing anything weird. And yet, like I said, they're not they're not using their best offensive player the way he he should be used, and they don't really seem to to realize it or or care honestly. So um, it, it's kind of a you know weird situation in in uh, L.A. right now. Absolutely. 
So let's take a look at some of the Sunday games. Uh, we had 10 early games and only three afternoon games, which is kind of weird. But uh, let's go to the Jags going to the Panthers. Gardner Minshew, uh, Panthers keep the roll going. I mean, they're they're looking insane on the defensive side of the ball. Three fumbles from Minshew. Uh, he, otherwise, he didn't have a bad game. But Kyle Allen, I mean, it, most of this is Christian McCaffrey. Let's not get that wrong. I mean, he had is he the best running back in the league at this point? I feel like he might be. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think McCaffrey is the best overall running back. He's not the best pure running back in the league, but when you factor in the his running ability and his his uh, receiving ability, I think overall, top to bottom, he's the best running back in the league. Um, I think what's the difference for the Panthers right now, honestly, is, is you know it's not that Kyle Allen is a better quarterback than Cam Newton. He's not. I think what's happening right now is Kyle Allen isn't making mistakes, uh, and they're being a lot more conservative with Kyle Allen. Um, whereas Cam Newton, you know, they tried to spread it out. They tried to take shots downfield, let him do his thing, and and sometimes it resulted in turnovers, put the the defense in bad situations. They're not really giving Kyle Allen that opportunity, which it, at the same time is helping the team. Um, uh, they are putting a lot of, you know, a lot of mileage on McCaffrey right now, which is a little worrisome for later in the season. But right now, I mean, the defense looks phenomenal. We talked about earlier in the season, we thought they had a good defense it, um, last year and early this year. It just wasn't showing. Now it's really starting to show, um, to kind of touch on the Jags a little bit though. Um, Gardner Minshew, I mean, he, like you said, he, he had an okay, you know, game again, he is a rookie quarterback. I think that's one thing we discussed last week that people forget. This is, you know, only his fourth career start, um, fifth career game that he's playing in. And he still threw for 374 yards and two touchdowns. Um, he did have the three fumbles, but again, when you factor in fifth career game that he's playing in, it's a pretty good game. Uh, Leonard Fournette, I think, is running like a man possessed. Uh, 108 yards this week. He also had 30 yards receiving. Um, he, he's looking, you know, like the prospect we thought he was a few years ago, finally. So, um, you know, it was a loss for the Jaguars, but it, I, I don't think it was a bad loss, honestly. It was, they played well. It just, you know, just didn't have enough at the end to, to beat the Panthers. So, yeah, I just kind of want to highlight some of these McCaffrey mind blowing stats. 19 carries is all 19 carries for 176 yards and two touchdowns. That's 9.3 yards a carry, which is unbelievable. Then you go to the passing game. He catches six balls for 61 yards and a touchdown. It's over 10 yards per catch. I mean, this guy is just making plays left and right. And and really he only had 25 touches in the game, which isn't, I mean, I, I would expect him to be having 35 touches for the production he's putting out. So at 25 touches, I mean, he's not, I don't think he's on a pace to really get too burnout, but to me, he's looking like the best running back in the league right now. I mean, absolutely. There's, I, I actually took McCaffrey number one in two of my fantasy drafts, uh, not number one, but with my first pick, uh, I think I had the second and third picks in my drafts, uh, in those two particular drafts. So, uh, right now I love to see what he's doing. Um, I, I do, I do feel, um, uh, they are, you know, again, at 25 carries doesn't sound like a lot, but I think what he's doing on those 25 carries, um, he's putting a lot of work in on those 25 carries. So that's more or less what I get a little bit worried about, but, um, Goodness, I like there's to see no one's tackling him, that right? <laughs> yeah. That's, I feel like he's yeah, not getting tackled. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. That is true. All right. So let's move on to Kirk cousin and the Vikings kind of rebounding against the giants. And I don't put too much stock in this because the giants aren't particularly a good team. But when you look at Cousins' stats, 22 of 27 for 306 yards and two touchdowns. Um, 
Plus, Dalvin Cook hammered the ball, ran it really well for 132 yards. And Thielen, after raising some uh, hell last week with his calling out Kirk Cousins, had 130 yards and two TDs. So uh, did they kind of fix this problem, or is it just a case of going against a really bad D? It's a little bit of both, honestly. If if you watch, I mean, obviously the Giants, we know they're not a very good team overall. Um, they've played better in recent weeks, but they're not a good team overall. Um, but if you also watch the game, I think the the difference is 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 uh, Cousins was kind of hitting all layers of the field. He was he was hitting those check down throws. He was hitting those mid level throws, uh, and he opened the field up with a couple deep throws as well. So um, I I think uh, just his decision making and some of those throws he was he was actually completing and attempting. Um, is really the difference early, you know, early in the season, we weren't really seeing that he was either just checking down the entire game or he was just trying to bomb it deep the entire game. He wasn't really trying to, to properly spread the defense out with, with, you know, like I said, hitting passes at all three levels. Um, so, I mean, they, they did in the interim fix it, but we need to see it on a more consistent basis before we can say it's completely fixed, obviously. Absolutely. And, and on the giant side, it kind of looks like they're, uh, you know, it's not going to be an easier road from here going against the Patriots this week. And they drop. Obviously, they have Saquon Barkley out. Sterling Shepard's hurt. He's out. Word today is that Evan Ingram is probably going to miss the game. So he really doesn't have many weapons to even throw to. So it could be a rough night for him Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I, I do feel this is one of the reasons I was hesitant to put him in initially it was just because of some of the injuries. Obviously, we had the Golden Tate uh, suspension there. Uh, Saquon Barkley got knocked out early in the season. Um, now they're now, like you talked about, the Evan Ingram injury, the Sterling Shepard injury, things like that. That's what I was a little bit hesitant about with him going in. Um because I don't think he's really going to get anything. I don't think he got anything out of playing the Vikings with with all those injuries. I don't think he's going to get anything out of uh, playing the Patriots with all those injuries. So, um, I mean, it's going to be a rough night for him. But I mean, it's it's the NFL. It's your job. You got to go out there. You, you know, you're probably going to get roughed up a little bit. But uh, just go out there. I mean, play the best you can. I guess. Absolutely. All right, so let's go into a matchup. I know you got some feelings to express on this one, but uh, two teams with up and down years so far. The Atlanta Falcons travel to Houston, take on the Texans. Um, the Texans just manhandle them. It isn't even close. Last week we kind of talked about, you know, actually for the last several weeks we've talked about, is this a Dan Quinn issue? Is he on the hot seat? Uh, what's your take on this after this blowout? I mean, I've been, I think, pretty adamant about it being on Dan Quinn, honestly. I mean, the 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 couple facts are, you know, they brought Dan Quinn in to be a defense. You know, he was he was the leader of the Legion of Boom in Seattle. Like he that's what he that's why he got the job in Atlanta um, as he assembled that defense. He coached that defense and, and led him to be, you know, one of the best defenses of the past 20 years or so. Um, and now he's in Atlanta and they have zero defense. Uh, there's no defense there whatsoever. Uh, last year, there were some excuses because they had a ton of injuries this year, not so much. And they, they're still terrible. Um, the other side of it I've been really adamant about is again, he refused to run the ball yet again. Uh, Devonte Freeman only had 11 attempts for 30 yards. Uh, the team only had 20, uh, 20 rushing attempts for the entire game compared to 46 passing attempts. Uh, so again, uh, for whatever reason, Dan Quinn just, just refuses to run the ball. Um, the defensive specialist can't, can't coach defense apparently. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a, absolutely a Dan Quinn issue. So, 
Um, I, yeah, I, I, look, I at this, look at this stat that, that really screams about the defense you're talking about. Deshaun Watson, 28 of 33 for 426 and five touchdowns and a perfect 158.3 quarterback rating. That's unbelievable. Well, and he also had four four rushing attempts for uh, forty seven yards. And the thing is, is people are saying, you know, well, you you know, nowadays you have to either run the ball or you have to pass the ball. It's hard to stay balanced in the NFL today. But you just brought up Watson stats of four hundred twenty six yards and five touchdowns. The Houston Texans also ran it for uh, uh, for one hundred and sixty six yards and a touchdown on thirty four attempts. So they had thirty three passing attempts, thirty four rushing attempts. And had put up huge numbers, uh, you know, running, you know, on the ground and in the air. And now you have Atlanta sitting here, basically saying, "Oh, well, our running game's not good enough. We just need to, we just need to pass it every single play." And Houston just did that with basically rejected running backs. They had Carlos Hyde, who was cut by the Chiefs. They had Duke Johnson, who the Browns basically said we don't want. Um, they're missing their starting running back. So, uh, you know, they did it with rejected running backs. And and they just lit the Falcons up, like I said, on the ground and in the air. So to me, there's there's zero excuses when you have a team like the Texans putting up those types of numbers, and you have just as much offensive firepower, and and you're refusing to use one aspect of it. So, and the crazy part that stood out to me was at halftime, it was 17-16. Falcons were in the lead, in the third and fourth quarter, the Falcons gave up 37 points to allow a comeback and then it was just a blowout at that point in the fourth quarter it just took off because houston scored 17 in the third and just kind of pulled away in the fourth and it was uh i i don't know what's going on but yeah i think we saw one firing in the nfl this week already and i think here soon we're gonna see another uh, and and honestly when you it's not just a this year thing with the falcons either it's not a last year thing i mean it goes back to the super bowl whenever they had the the 28 to 3 lead or whatever it is and instead of running the ball like they should have like a competent head coach would have done uh they decided to keep passing it and passing it and passing it and what happened the patriots came back they won the super bowl and ever since then you know, the Falcons have, have been just garbage, honestly, since then. So again, this is one to me, 100% a Dan Quinn issue because they've got the talent and they're just not, it's not fulfilling their potential. Absolutely. So warm up that hot seat. We're going to keep the hot seat watch going and he's definitely on it. All right, let's go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, kind of a rowdy team going against the saints bucks have had up and down year so far, but uh, they look pretty good. Went into the saints lost by a touchdown. I think the shocking thing to me, we kind of talked about, and I think you said if if uh, Teddy Bridgewater went one and three, it'd be a pretty successful thing with with Drew Brees gone. He's three and zero right now with Drew Brees gone, so uh, I think he's doing pretty solid. and And the Saints are in good position at four and one. And, and well, they talked about initially um, Drew Brees supposed to miss six games, and and uh, my initial thing was if he goes three and three, um, sure. that's three and three. yeah, that's a that's a hundred percent win for him. Um, right now, like you said, he's three and zero, and and you know they won a couple of those games almost in spite of Teddy Bridgewater because you know he didn't really he didn't have a good game against the Cowboys honestly, and and uh, you know his first start he didn't really have that great of a game. Um, this week against the Buccaneers, I mean they won the game because of Teddy Bridgewater, uh, three hundred fourteen yards, four touchdowns, his first three hundred yard game since two thousand fifteen. Um, I mean, he he looked. The offense looked phenomenal. The defense still looked pretty solid. Uh, I I did enjoy you know what I saw out of uh, Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston, I thought, still played a solid game. 
um, despite being sacked six times, um, he still actually looked good. He didn't, I don't think he, you know, a lot of those Jameis Winston, you know, force throws that we've seen over the years where he starts trying to force it in there and making mistakes. And, uh, he didn't resort to that, which was, you know, to me, that's a good progression to see. So, um, I mean, Winston played it, played a solid game, but Bridgewater played a phenomenal game. Absolutely. And and the good news is there were sightings of Drew Brees on Instagram throwing the football already. So, um, Hopefully for them, it's only a couple weeks out. I I think he's going to miss maybe one more game, maybe two at most. But uh, I think he's done a a remarkable job, really, for the position he was put in replacing a a future Hall of Famer in Drew Brees. Absolutely. All right, so let's go to the Bills taking on the Titans. Uh, Josh Allen got the last-minute go-ahead. We talked about last week. We weren't sure coming in the concussion protocol whether Josh Allen be ready to roll. Um, He plays. Plays all right. I mean, 219 yards, two touchdowns. They get the 14-7 win. What'd you think of this game? I mean, it was an old school defensive, you know, game. It was neither team looked amazing on offense. I would say um, they both ran the ball pretty evenly. They each had 27 rushing attempts. Uh, the Bills had 109 yards. The Titans had 102 yards. So um, the difference somewhat was the passing game uh Allen threw for about 40 more yards than than Mariota did and that appears to be the difference really but I mean it was it was an ugly offensive game for both teams really but uh uh, I mean it was a good win for the Bills it was was good to see them get going again um and and the Titans we've talked about they're one of those up and down teams just every time you think they got it going they come you know they turn around and just play a an ugly game like this again so uh, I think it's a good momentum game for the Bills, but uh, you know, a look in the mirror kind of game for the Titans. Absolutely. All right, so let's go to the Cardinals Bengals. Kyler Murray looking for his first win. He gets it. Um, he's kind of a he's kind of an anomaly this year. He's got a ton of yardage. I'm looking at his season stats here: hundred or thirteen hundred twenty-four yards, only four touchdowns and four picks. Um, obviously they have some kind of red zone problem because he's getting the yardage. You just can't score touchdowns, uh, but they get that first win over the struggling Bengals who are now zero and five. What did you think of this one? I mean, this was, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's good to see him get his first win. Good to see, uh, Kingsbury get his first win. What I thought was unique in this game, um, was this was the first r- game that the, the Cardinals really opened up Kyler Murray in, in terms of running the ball. He actually had 10 attempts for 93 yards and a touchdown. Um, I actually, uh, in our main fantasy league, I actually benched Aaron Rodgers in favor of Kyler Murray. So um, just because of this matchup and it, it paid off, honestly. Um, but I mean, like you said, he, he's he's throwing the ball. He's getting a ton of yardage. Um, I, I You know, we do need to see the the Cardinals, uh, you know, red zone offense get a little bit better because, like you said, he's getting the yardage. They're just not finishing the drives. Um, I mean, they beat a bad team, but a win is a win, and, and it's something to build off of at least. So, Absolutely. It'll be interesting to see how his season ends when he's, you know, if he throws more touchdowns down the road. He's got Larry Fitzgerald in the red zone, so hopefully he can uh, get him some touchdowns. Yeah, for sure. All right, so let's go on to this game. The only reason it's really worth bringing up, it went exactly the way we thought. Patriots against the Redskins. Patriots win 33-7, to uh, continuing their easiest schedule in the NFL. And the big news coming out of this game is the next morning, Jay Gruden fired from the Redskins. Um, you think this is rightfully so, or is it kind of a player personnel thing? Uh, I mean, it is rightfully so. I think he'd kind of lost the team a little bit. His His offensive style wasn't working there anymore. Um, 
you know, he didn't have the player personnel he needed, which that's on the, you know, that's on the front office, but um, you know, it's the coach's job to adjust to the personnel, not the personnel to adjust to the coach. So um, I, I think it's a, a rightfully deserved firing, honestly, um, below 500 record only made the playoffs once. Um, it, I did think it was a little surprising with the replacement when they brought on uh, Bill Callahan to, to replace him as a, as head coach. I mean, not to me, not, not the ideal choice. Uh, honestly, he, he really hasn't been successful in any of his head coaching stints. So yeah, I'd just like to point out that guy is dead to me for what he did to Nebraska, literally ruining their program. Um, from yeah. Their, yeah. From their glory. You know, coming off of 2001 national championship appearance, they fire their coach You know, a year later, he takes over, switches the offense, runs that program into the ground. They're still trying to recover. So that man's dead to me. It's kind of off topic that and then you know when he was when he uh took over for for john gruden in oakland i mean his players hated him so much they apparently tried to fight him in the locker room uh i mean not not the not the ideal situation um now he's taken over for another gruden so um i think he's a good position coach um he's he's actually a great offensive line coach um but a head coach i i thought maybe they should have gone a different direction there but um i mean I mean, to be honest, he's probably going to get 10 games here. He's going to coach out the rest of the season, and then he probably won't even be with the team next year. So, yeah, Maybe he'll be the Cowboys coach or something after the season. Oh, bite your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's move on to a game that was actually surprisingly close. Uh, Baltimore Ravens go to Pittsburgh, take on the Steelers, take them to overtime, and the Ravens squeak one out by a field goal. But the thing I wanted to kind of point out in this game was, first of all, Lamar Jackson just playing awful. It, one touchdown, three picks, only 161 passing yards. And then the other thing is just that brutal hit Mason Rudolph took that knocked him out cold. I mean, what was your thoughts on this game? I mean, uh, we we talked about it last week. I mean, I thought it'd be a, a decent game. Um, I did expect the the Ravens to win it by at least 10 points. So it was it was closer than I I uh expected but we you know we talked about early in the season how Lamar Jackson adjusted to what the NFL did to him last year and we saw he got off to that big start this year because you know he made those adjustments uh and we you know I mentioned that the NFL is going to readjust to Lamar Jackson and let's see how he how he adjusts to that um to that second adjustment and right now it's not looking good he he hasn't adjusted to that readjustment the NFL has made to him um he he has struggled throwing the ball lately um, his offensive line didn't help him. The Steelers did have five sacks against the Ravens. Uh, they were in his face, pressuring him the entire time. Uh, didn't get much run support from Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram had 19 attempts, 44 yards. So they didn't really run the ball very well. Um, so he didn't really have a lot. I mean, he didn't get a lot of help from his teammates, honestly. But, um, you know, he's still got to have better decision making. He still threw three interceptions. Um, and then on the the Mason Rudolph hit, I mean, it was – that was a brutal hit. I mean, it, it was, I don't want to say it was an illegal hit, but it was, it was right there. It, it was borderline. I'd say at, at, you know, at best. Um, but I mean, it was, I thought the worst part of it, honestly, was the, uh, was the, uh, the, the cart, you know, they couldn't even get the, you know, the cart. <laughs> to, ridiculous. To, yeah. To carry him off the field. So, um, they had to push the cart off and then have him walk. And, you know, he looked like he was wearing a 1940s helmet when they took his face mask off. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it yeah, was, that was, that was an embarrassing moment for the NFL because <laughs> talk about player safety and concussions and CTE, and then they can't even get a working cart to take a guy that's literally unconscious off the field. And I mean, the, the players and 
or his assistants and trainers had to literally drag him off the field pretty much. He was so out of it. Yeah, and and I mean, hopefully Mason Rudolph recover. I know he's been released from the hospital. He's obviously in concussion protocol. Hopefully he he recovers pretty quickly, and and honestly, hopefully he can play again here in a couple weeks. I I highly doubt he plays this week, um, or or coming up, um, but hopefully he's back here in a couple weeks. So, uh, you know, hope we'll yeah. we'll see. I guess be something to watch. All right, and the shocker of the week for me, anyway. Um, London game bears taking on the Raiders. The Raiders pretty much handed it to the bears taking a 17, nothing halftime lead. Uh, the bears do come back and take the lead in the third quarter, but Raiders come back and, and get the win over it. Chase Daniel, you know, he didn't play terrible except for he had two picks that were just kind of mind blowingly bad. So what did you think of this? Are the bears, I mean, is this signs of things to come for the bears or are the Raiders actually that good? Um, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. I, I talked about I, I thought the 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 Raiders had an improvement this year and, and were looking better. They're looking like a more well-rounded team. Um, and the Bears, I mean, we've we've talked about they've kind of regressed a little bit. Um, they're not looking as dominant as as they did last year. And and we saw that. I mean, that that vaunted Bears defense, they got shredded 169 yards and three touchdowns on the ground that they gave up to the Raiders. Um, they also had zero sacks against the Raiders. They didn't sack Derek Carr one time. Uh, and, and you're talking about a, a Raiders team that, that, you know, Derek Carr, I think, got sacked around 50 times last year. So he was getting sacked, you know, about four times a game last year. And the Bears couldn't get to him one time. I thought for sure, personally, that Khalil Mack was going to have a, a day and he did absolutely nothing against his former team. Um, his former team kind of humiliated him, honestly. So, uh, I mean, it, yeah, I, I, it, and I it, talked about this as as being kind of sad because the Bears were my Super Bowl pick out of the NFC, and they've looked like not even close to that. Um, and and honestly, their three and two record is a little misleading at this point. Um, yeah. They've got a couple close wins, a couple fluky wins against the Broncos and stuff like that. So. Um, if, if Mitch Trubisky's out for much longer, I don't really know how much he's going to help because he's been playing really bad this year too, but I think he's going to be an upgrade from Chase Daniel. We'll just have to see if they can build on anything to get this season back on track. And, and honestly, I think it's the defense too, because the defense hasn't, you know, everyone was, was comparing this defense to that, that 85 bears defense or the 2000 Raven or the 2001 Ravens defense. And, and they're, I mean, they're not playing I mean, I thought the Denver defense of a couple years ago looks looked a lot more dominant than the Bears do this year. So, absolutely. So, speaking of the Broncos, let's move on to this one. This one's kind of interesting. We talked about, I've talked about all year, preaching about how the Chargers are overrated, and they always start out really bad. That trend continued. Broncos actually knock off the Chargers in Los Angeles. Um, you know. At this point, what can you even say except for this is just normal Charger football? I mean, this is every single year. It's just bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it. it's not surprising just because, like you said, the Chargers always, those first five to six weeks of the season are always a crapshoot for the for the Chargers. You really never know what you're going to get. The best you can really hope for is about a three and three record, honestly, out of them uh, over the first six weeks. Um, I thought the surprising thing, honestly, was uh, – you know, Vic Fangio or Fangio finally, you know, finally actually ran ran the ball and uh and finally let uh Philip Lindsay run the ball. You know, he came in 
you know, Fangio came in with this attitude of, you know, I don't care that he was a, a Pro Bowl running back and that he was a thousand yard rusher and da 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 da. It seemed like he almost penalized him for it early in the season. And now he's actually, you know, letting Philip Lindsay separate himself and actually be the number one running back that he should be. Um, and it, it actually paid dividends this week finally. So um, I thought it was a nice head coaching adjustment by, by uh, Fangio and, and uh, I mean, the Chargers, again, I'm not really worried about them because they always do this and then they always turn it around and they always end the season well. So um, the surprising thing is that they only ran the ball 16 times. Uh, they finally got Melvin Gordon back. They've been begging to get Melvin Gordon back so they could run the ball more. And then they get him back and they only run it 16 times. Uh, so yeah, that was we don't know. Different. We don't know Melvin Gordon's mindset either. But I mean, 12 carries, for 31 yards, 2.6 yards a carry. That's just not good enough. Um, at that point, I feel like. They might have just, you know, they should have ran it more with Austin Eckler, honestly. All right. So I really hate to bring these next two games up because it's really going to hurt our feelings. But uh, we'll start with we'll start with the Packers and Cowboys. Uh, Packers kind of dismantled the Cowboys. A, a late Cowboys rally fell short. But, you know, going into halftime, it was 17 nothing in the third quarter. It got a little bit out of hand. And then they, they made a good fourth quarter comeback, but fell just short. What are your thoughts? What's going on with the Cowboys? Um. I mean, I, I, I'll say this number one, the Packers, they did a great job on offense. Um, the, the real weakness of the Cowboys defense is also their strength. The Cowboys defense has, has huge aggression, um, especially from the linebackers. Uh, they're, they're a very aggressive group and the Packers use that against them. They allowed the Cowboys to over pursue and, and put themselves out of position. Um, so the Packers, uh, uh, LaFleur did a, a, a great job in, in coaching that and, and getting them ready for that because they had the Cowboys defense out of position the entire game. Um, so I, I'll give the credit to the, the Packers there on offense. Um, I think what, what did it for the Cowboys on offense was the Packers jumped up, you know, that huge lead early. Um, and it took, it took Zeke Elliott out of the game. Basically he only ended up, I think 12 carries, uh, for 62 yards. So when he actually ran the ball, he ran it with, with a lot of success, which we said he would do that. Um, the Packers don't have a very good, um, run defense, but they got up by so many points at four stack Prescott to throw the ball. Um, he did throw three interceptions to me. It's a little misleading though, because if you look at the interceptions, uh, the first one he threw, I think he was, uh, targeting Amari Cooper, um, and it was kind of a, a deflected pass that got intercepted. Um, and then I believe it was the last one that he threw. He was targeting Michael Gallup. And if you watch that play, I mean, Michael Gallup's 10 yards down the field and the Packers cornerback literally has Gallup's helmet pulled down and shoving him and pulling him and pushing him. And it threw Michael Gallup completely out of his route where Dak Prescott thought he would be. And, you know, it's a, it's a curl. So it's a timing route. Uh, it's a timing and a position route. And it threw the timing and the position off. So I don't really, to me, that's not a bad interception by Prescott. I think that was just a missed pass interference call. But I think the Cowboys had used up all their challenges, honestly, at that point. So, um, I mean, it, it, they took them out of their comfort zone. They forced them to do things they didn't want to do. I mean, it was a good good coaching by the, by the Packers, honestly. Yeah, the Packers are really looking like uh, a favorite in the NFC right now. They, they've got a good – you know, playoff caliber, obviously quarterback, Super Bowl MVP, that whole thing. They got a great running game. Aaron Jones is just running like crazy. Uh, their defense is playing is pretty solid. I mean, be probably better than anyone really expected at this point this season. I think there's somebody to watch out for. So uh, I don't think it's a terrible loss for the Cowboys just because the Packers are a really good team. 
Yeah, and and uh, I mean the Saints too. We're talking about Teddy Bridgewater is three and zero with the Saints. So when they lost to the Saints, looking back, that's not a bad loss. Um, the Packers they've only got one loss on the season. So again, it's not a bad loss. They they put themselves in the game. Their you know their field goal kicker also missed two field goals that didn't help. Um, and then uh, missing Tyron uh, Tyron Smith uh, at left tackle. You know, arguably one of the two or three best left tackles in all of football. Um, they were missing him, and and the Packers had three sacks against Prescott. They hit him eight times, and then they pressured him, I think, another like 15 times or something like that. So, um, I mean, Prescott, you know, even when he was dropping back, he threw it a lot, but he was under pressure and being hit a lot back there. So, um, again, it was a good, you know, great coaching by the Packers, honestly, but I'm not – everyone's freaking out about the Cowboys. I'm really not personally, but see where they go. Get the Jets this week, so. Yeah, that's – pretty much a bye week although sam darnold is cleared to play for this week not that that means a ton but uh they'll also get uh, chris herndon back so the jets might uh might have a little bit of a little bit more offensive juice i don't know if it's enough to get their first win but it should be fun to watch all right let's go on to this really somber game that i hate even talking about colts beat the chiefs knocked the chiefs from the rankings of the undefeated 19 to 13 um you know, I'm not, I'm kind of with you like you were on the Cowboys. I'm not worried about this game because uh, first thing, here's the, here's the positions the Chiefs are missing. Starting left tackle, starting left guard. They're on their second center. They lost their wide receiver one in Tyreek Hill, their wide receiver two in Sammy Watkins. Uh, Emmanuel Ogba was out their D end. They had Xavier Williams go out, one of their D tackles. They had Chris Jones go out, one of their D tackles. So all those key pieces missing, and they still only lost by a score. So uh, it's not something I'm super concerned about. What I am concerned about is the run defense because, you know, it's historically bad. And 29 carries for 132 yards from Marlon Mack, um, it's it's an issue, and they're going to have to to fix it. But – even you know people talked about time of possession how they kept the ball away from Mahomes all of that and they only scored 19 points so it's not like that their offense just drove it and scored at will on the Chiefs we talked last week about how they're kind of a Big 12 type defense been but don't break i think you saw that a lot here too you know they drove down there they had to settle for some field goals and kept the Chiefs in it all the way till the end so i'm not super worried about it Mahomes got banged up with his ankle i think once to get some of these key pieces back they're going to be able to rebound I mean, it, it was a game. I'll say I was I was thoroughly unimpressed with the Chiefs' rush defense, but their pass defense I was actually pretty impressed with. They played they played pretty well. Outside of uh, Breland was was to me was horrendous. I mean, the guy had like four or five penalties on his own. I think um, so. Outside of him, the uh, the pass defense was actually. I thought pretty great. Um, Brissett was 18 of 29, 151 yards, had an interception on uh, the honey badger. He, I mean, made a great read and cut off the play and intercepted that ball. Um, so the pass defense, you know, was there. It's the rush defense I worry about. Um, and then you brought up all the, the injuries on offense. And, and I, I honestly, I think they would have been okay with those injuries. I think what killed him in this game was that Mahomes ankle injury because um, it took away his mobility. Um, he was only sacked three times coming into the game. And in this game, he was sacked four times alone. Plus he was hit another eight times and pressured another, I think 10 or 12 times. Um, and when, when they, when he had his ankle hurt, it, it took away his mobility to escape some of those pressures. And, you know, we, we've seen Mahomes for the last year and a half, uh, make some tremendous plays on the run. 
that's where he's his most game, dangerous. Yeah, I mean, even in this yeah, game, yeah. he rolled out reverse field, rolled out again, hit a touchdown strike. So, uh, Yeah, and, th- and that was before the ankle injury. So I think that, to me, that's what kind of – you know, ended the chiefs night right there was, uh, you know, Mahomes being forced to kind of stay in the pocket and, and not, you know, they took him out of his comfort level. I mean, not saying that he's not a pocket passer by any means, but I think what, uh, I, I think, uh, him being able to move around and just slide the pocket even a little bit, um, is a huge advantage that he has, um, over a lot of other quarterbacks. And he, he wasn't able to do that. And it, it really slowed down that offense. So, um, when you factor in the injuries, you factor in Mahomes being banged up again, like you said, I'm not worried about them. I think they're going to be fine. The Colts are still a solid team. They still got a solid defense. So, uh, and that run, you know, even, they ran well against the Chiefs, but they run well against everybody. Marlon Back is a is a legitimate number one running back. So there's, you know, I mean, it is it is what it is. Everyone loses a game. There's only been one team that's ever gone undefeated for an entire year. So, I mean, that that's yeah. where we're at right now. And I will say this: if you told anybody that the three leading receivers on the Chiefs in this game would be Byron Pringle, McCall Hardman, and Demarcus Robinson at the beginning of the season, people would be going, "Who are they? They've never even heard of those people." I mean, when you're missing two guys the caliber of Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, the Chiefs have made it work in the past few weeks, but that's more on Mahomes being good than it is these receivers being good, in my opinion. Um, yeah. I mean, they're not bad receivers by any means, but they're in no way wide receiver one or wide receiver two material at this point. So I feel like when you get Tyreek Hill back, Sammy Watkins gets healthy, um, this offense can start rolling again, and we'll be just fine. For sure. All right, and then the final game of the week on Monday Night Football, Baker Mayfield and the Browns lay an egg in primetime once again, 49ers 31-3. to um, you know, And all this stuff's coming about how he disrespected people at the coin toss, and he's being, you know, we kind of talked about how the arrogance with Baker Mayfield and this offense and the coach and everything is just unreal. So Baker Mayfield, 8 of 22 for 100 yards and two picks in this loss. Um, what do you think of this? Yeah, I mean it was it was surprising. I I knew it'd be a 50-50 game honestly going into it. Um we didn't really know what the 49ers really were. Um and we really didn't know what the the Browns really were and uh I think we kind of found out about both teams last uh, or on Monday night football. Um uh, Baker Mayfield like you said 8 of 22, 100 yards, two interceptions. He also lost a fumble. Uh Odell Beckham only had two catches. Um, he had two rushing attempts for 15 yards. And then he had that punt return where he, he ran, he lost like 10 yards on it and fumbled the ball. So, um, I, and I talked about it being, you know, pretty funny with Nick Chubb about, he had that great game, the three touchdown 180 yard game. And I, I talked about how I didn't think the, the Browns were actually going to keep using him the way they should. And again, this game, uh, only had 16 rushing attempts. So, um, ego again, getting in the way. Um, but not to take anything away from the 49ers. I mean, they, they played phenomenal. Uh, Nick Bosa came in obviously with a personal vendetta against Baker Mayfield. Uh, when he got one of his sacks against Mayfield, he, he, uh, uh, you know, his, his sack dance was the, the flag dance, you know, imitating what Baker Mayfield did at Ohio state a few years ago, uh, by planting the flag at the 50 yard line. Um, but kind of a cool stat right here is the, the 49ers had four, four sacks against the Browns. They had eight quarterback hits. Two of those sacks 
came from Nick Bosa and five of the quarterback hits came from Nick Bosa. He also forced two fumbles and had a fumble recovery. Uh, I mean, he just, I mean, just demolished Baker Mayfield. Um, I think physically and, and emotionally, honestly, I mean, Baker Mayfield has to be wrecked after that game. Um, and I saw a good, pretty funny stat today. It was his quarterback rating was so low that, um, if you come out and, and you spike the ball 22 consecutive times and don't complete a single pass, your quarterback rating would have been higher than Baker Mayfield's last night. <laughs> uh, so it, uh, yeah, it was just, I mean, phenomenal game by the 49ers. They look like a legit team. The defense looks phenomenal. Uh, Matt Breda and Tevin Coleman, uh, um, I mean, they, they ran the ball like crazy, 40 attempts, 275 yards. Um, Breda had that 83 yard run early in the game. So, uh, I mean, the 49ers look for real and, and the Browns were, you know, back questioning who they are and what they really are. So. Absolutely. It was, a hopefully a humbling experience for the Browns. Cause I think that's what they need. I mean, this, this Browns team, and I saw a funny meme. It was the cycle of Baker Mayfield. It was you know, play really bad, you know, the media talks bad about him. He takes a chip on his shoulder. Then he beats a bad team. And then he talks about how he's proven all the doubters wrong. And then he plays bad again. And it's just the cycle going around in circles. And that's kind of what's happening here. Every time they beat a bad team, they act like, oh my God, we're the best team ever. And then as soon as they get cocky again, somebody levels them. And then all of a sudden they're sitting here looking up from the bottom going, what just happened? And right now, he's kind of laying low because everyone in the media is just tearing the Browns apart, Baker Mayfield in particular. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the season plays out for these guys. And and I think one thing <clears throat> to look at also, we you know we kind of talked about off air the other day. Uh, you know the Browns are trying to imitate that that Chiefs offense, you know, somewhat. And uh, you know we talked about you know what the Chiefs have done with the the that run pass. Uh, run pass option um, is they took a college offense and adjusted it to the NFL and the Browns, they're taking a college offense and trying to run it like a college offense in the NFL. Uh, when you watch Baker Mayfield, I mean, the guy, he he's a one read quarterback. I mean, he, he goes to the line, I think knowing where he's going to throw the ball. And when you, when you watch him, he stares that receiver down the entire time. And he doesn't scan the field. He doesn't look at all his options. We've talked about in the past. He keeps he keeps uh, refusing to throw checkdown passes because he's he's already focused in and locked in on on you know his one receiver, whoever it may be, that he's throwing it to 15 yards down the field. And if he would just actually read the defense like an NFL quarterback, like a number one pick should, uh, I think the Browns would be in a lot better shape. But right now they're they're again they're running a college offense like you would in college. Not you know they're not adjusting it to the NFL like the Chiefs have done and like some other teams have done. So um, even like the Ravens have done, I mean, Lamar Jackson's reading the field better than Baker Mayfield. And and we, everyone jokes about how he's not a real quarterback. So what's that make Baker Mayfield, honestly? Exactly. All right, that wraps up our week five review of the NFL season. Let's kick it over and look at our picks of this week. How'd we do? All right, so uh, overall for the week, you went 10 and five. Uh, and I went eight and seven. So yeah, you had a two game advantage on me for the week. Uh, that puts you one game up on the season. Uh, you are now 45, 32 and one. I am 44, 33 and one. So got a one game advantage on me and in, in the picks, but what it really comes down to is I beat you head to head in fantasy. So, uh, moving on now, <laughs> there's, a, there's a fluke for everything. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, let's take a look at these week six games we got. Thursday night football, the Giants and Daniel Jones taking on the Patriots. Who do you got? Uh, 100% the Patriots. <laughs> uh, too, too many injuries for the Giants. Patriots are too good. Yeah, I think if the Giants even were a healthy team, it still wouldn't really be that close. So I'm taking Patriots by two touchdowns. For sure. All right, now we got the Panthers who are coming off hot, going against the Bucks in Tampa Bay. Who do you got in this one? I'm going. I'm going the Panthers. I think they're going to want to avenge that early season loss to the Bucks. That was the only game this year that Christian McCaffrey has been shut down. Um, as I talked about earlier, Kyle Allen. They've been more conservative with him, so he's not making some of the mistakes Cam Newton was making, especially in that game. Uh, so I'm going Panthers on this one. I'm going to take the upset. I'm going to go Bucks here. I think uh, they kind of have the Panthers number, even with Cam Newton. Granted, Cam Newton was hurt, but. Like you said earlier, I don't think Kyle Allen's better than Cam Newton. They shut Cam Newton down, um, and they also shut down a lot of good running backs. Um, they let Teddy Bridgewater throw all over him last week, but I don't think Kyle Allen does that. I'm going to take the Bucks in a close one. All right, we got this. We, we're calling this one the Tank Bowl. It's the Redskins taking on the Dolphins. Who do you got in this one? Uh, I'm going Redskins in this one. Um uh don't have much more talent but they do have more talent and i i also believe bill callahan is actually going to want to win this game um more so than the dolphins so i'm going the redskins on this one this is a tough one for me i can't believe i'm gonna say this i'm gonna take the dolphins to get their only win of the season i think uh the reds here's the thing i don't like bill callahan you've heard me talk about it i don't like him at all i don't think he's even remotely a good coach Uh, that locker room is already fractured from from what's happened with jay gruden uh, they don't even know who the quarterback is going to be. They said both Colt McCoy and Case Keenum were kind of shaken up, but they said one thing's for certain. Bill Callahan said it's not going to be Dwayne Haskins. So he's not playing. I think the Dolphins have a little bit more continuity going on. I'm going to take the Dolphins in a close, low-scoring game. All right, and what should be another good one? We've got the Saints and Teddy Bridgewater traveling to Jacksonville to take on Gardner Minshew and the Jags. Who do you got? Yeah, I'm going to go with, uh, I, I should go with the Saints on this, but I'm going to go with the Jaguars. I'm going to stick with the Minshew mania. Um, I like how the Jaguars are running the ball. I like how they're throwing it. I think Minshew cuts back on some of those turnovers. And I talked about, I thought the Saints would go, uh, you know, would be good to go three and three with Bridgewater. I think this is going to be one of his losses that he finally gets. So uh, I'm going with the Jaguars on this one. I'm going to take the Saints. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is going to, have to do a lot. I think Alvin Kamara is going to have a big game. The Jags have kind of, given up a lot of yards this year to running backs. So I'm going to go with the Saints in a close one. And I think, uh, you know, you know, I love Gardner Minshew as a, as a person and just his character, but I don't think he's quite ready to beat the Saints defense yet. So I got the Saints in a close one. One thing's for sure. One of us will be leading by a lot after this week, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. So let's continue on. We've got the Bengals taking on the Ravens in Baltimore. Who do you got in that one? I'm going the Ravens on this one. I think this is a game Lamar Jackson uh, starts throwing the ball well again. Uh, The Bengals, their defense is just atrocious and uh, really banged up on the offensive side. Still missing John Ross. Uh, A.J. Green doesn't appear like he'll be playing this week as well. Um, So not enough offense by the Bengals, and their defense is just trash. So going with the Ravens. Yeah, me too. I think this is one of those games that Lamar Jackson gets back on track. He's kind of struggled against some of these better defenses. The Bengals don't have anything close to a good defense. So I think uh, Lamar Jackson is going to go all over the Bengals and they're going to win by probably 10 points. All right, 
We've got Russell Wilson and the Seahawks traveling to Cleveland to take on Baker Mayfield and the Browns. Who do you got in that one? I'm, I'm going Seahawks in this one big. Um, I mean, we just saw what uh, what the 49ers did to uh, to the Browns. I, I think uh, Russell Wilson's a better quarterback than Garoppolo. Um, I think the running game is about even between Chris Carson and and then Matt Breda and Tevin Coleman. So um, I, I I think the the Seahawks win this one. And with how the Browns are playing, I think the Seahawks win big. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it, I don't know how big it's going to be, but I think the Seahawks do get it done. I think their their defense is going to harass Baker Mayfield and be physical. And then I think on the ground with Chris Carson coming off that big week, I think they're just going to pound it down the Browns' throat, control the football, and just a couple Baker Mayfield you know, fumbles or picks, and this game's going to be over. So I'm taking the Seahawks. Yeah. All right, and another good matchup. We got the Eagles taking on the Vikings. Who do you got in that one? Uh, going Vikings in this one. Uh, I mean, the, the Eagles, they've been on a nice little streak lately. Um, but, again, they haven't played the uh, quality defense like the Vikings. Um, I, I I don't expect Cousins to have the game he had this past week, but I think they've kind of got that passing game turned around. I don't think the Eagles can stop Cook, so um, I, I think just a balanced offensive game is what's going to uh, going to take it for the Vikings. Yeah, I'm actually going to take the Eagles here. I I like the way Carson Wentz is playing. I think their defense is good enough to to get in Kirk Cousins' head. I mean, he had a good game last week, but we all know Giants don't have a good defense, so um, I don't expect Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen to have the same week they had. Um, I think it will have to go through Dalvin Cook if they do win, but I'm going to take the Eagles in a close one on this one. All right, we've got a matchup that I'm really looking forward to as Deshaun Watson and the Texans go against the Chiefs at Arrowhead. Who do you got in that one? Uh, honestly, I, I'm going the Texans on this one because I don't know how healthy the Chiefs are going to be. I think if they're both... I think if both teams are 100% healthy, the Chiefs are the better team, and I think the Chiefs would win 9 out of 10 games. Uh, but I don't like the injuries that the Chiefs have right now. They're really banged up. We don't know what Mahomes' ankle is going to look like. And uh, if if Mahomes, you know, he's not mobile, he's not able to move around, and you got uh, J.J. Watt and you have uh, Whitney Merciless coming after you, uh, uh, it's going to be a long night for the Chiefs or a long day for for the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, I think. So. I'm going to go Chiefs in this one for the sole reason of, uh, you know, there's all this talk about Carlos Hyde coming back here and it's kind of a revenge game. I don't see him having the success that, you know, a Marlon Mack and a couple of these other guys, on Johnson, have had against the Chiefs. I just, I like Carlos Hyde. I don't think he's that, that number one running back. There's no doubt in my mind he could have a good week against the Chiefs. But if you look at the recipe, how you can beat the Chiefs, it's running the football and it's controlling the clock. Um, and I don't think Deshaun Watson trying to sling it all over the field is going to get that done. They're going to have to pound the rock against the Chiefs, and I don't think Carlos Hyde can get it done. I think the Chiefs, I mean, at this point, they have no choice but to make the adjustments to slow the run down. So I got the Chiefs, and I think it's going to be a pretty close game, though, because, I mean, both these quarterbacks are probably uh, the two most exciting guys to watch in the NFL right now. So, uh, And I think the one thing to watch is Tyreek Hill. I know... He's been kind of working out, and he practiced last week. He's got to be cleared for contact, but if he plays, I think it it really changes this game. Um, if he sits, it could be, you know, we could be talking about a different story, but I think if Tyreek Hill plays, the Chiefs got this. All right, we got the struggling Falcons and Dan Quinn going to Arizona to play the Cardinals. Who do you got in that one? 
I'm going Arizona on this one. Uh, I mean, I've been pretty adamant. I don't like how Dan Quinn's coaching that team. Um, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna put the Falcons in a bad in a bad spot, and I think the the Cardinals are gonna take advantage of it. So, uh, I think Cardinals have a little bit of momentum going right now. The Falcons are obviously struggling. I'm going Cardinals. Yeah, I, I want to pick the Cardinals, but I just don't think they're. I think they're on the rise. I don't think they're there yet. I think the Falcons pull one out here, and it. And here's what happens with these guys every time. You talk about Dan Quinn. like He's so much on the hot seat right now, it's ridiculous. He's going to pull out a win against a bad Cardinals team, and then people are going to kind of stop talking about it for now. He's going to kind of save his job for another couple weeks. So I'm going to go Falcons in this one. All right, and this is going to be an interesting matchup coming up. We got the undefeated 49ers traveling to Los Angeles to take on the Rams. Who do you got? I'm going the 49ers. I I, I said earlier in the episode, I'm pretty sold on them i think they're a legit team uh run the ball well they throw the ball well i think they have you know one of the best defenses in football they have the number one red zone defense in all of football um i think they're going to create havoc for the for the rams so i think the rams are going to be leaving with three losses after this i'm with you on this one i really like the 49ers team and and there's something wrong with the rams defense with the way that they're giving up points against the bucks and giving up points against the seahawks through the air there's something wrong with their pass defense. Um, I don't know that the 49ers really have that great of a passing attack at this point. It's still kind of unknown at this time, but they have a good enough ground game, and and Jimmy Garoppolo is competent enough to to beat the Rams. So I think it's going to be a close one, but I, I'm with you. I think the 49ers win it on defense. All right, and this should be an interesting game. We got the Titans coming off a loss to the Bills, taking on the Broncos, who are coming off their first win of the season. Who do you got in this one? I'm I'm going the Titans. I mean, they're 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 a very up and down team, and just when you think they're down, uh, they rise back up and have a good game. I think this is that good game that they're going to have. Uh, the Broncos they did beat the Chargers last week, but again, if you look at the game, the Broncos had another game without getting a single sack, um, and now they're going against a better defense than the Chargers. So I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball as well. They're not going to be able to pass the ball. So I'm going Titans. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I picked the Broncos last week, but I think that was more, you know, my knowing how the Chargers start the season more than it was faith in the Broncos. Uh, Titans defense is is one of those, they're sneaky good. I mean, they don't really show up because they, they're not, you know, having the best year. But when you look at it, I've got their their defense in fantasy. They're the number four fantasy defense. They come out every week and they play well. And uh, the Broncos offense is, is terribly average at this point. So going against a good defense like the Titans, I think it's going to be hard for them to win. So I got the Titans winning a close one. All right. The Cowboys look to bounce back after back-to-back losses, and they take on the Jets. Who you got in this one? Going the Cowboys. Um, I think again, just too much, too much talent, and they're gonna have something to prove. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna unleash Zeke Elliott on the Jets. Uh the Jets I I have a have an okay pass defense, honestly, but um they got some good safeties back there. But I think uh the Cowboys are really gonna look to get Zeke going early. Um, and then that's going to set up the play action for Dak and, and uh, Amari Cooper and J- look out for Jason Witten in the red zone. So uh, I'm, I'm going uh, Cowboys all the way on this. I'm going to go Jets here. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm going to take the <laughs> Cowboys. <laughs> you know, this is one they have to win. If they somehow lose this game, it's going to be – here's the thing. We talked about last week. The media has been talking about how the Cowboys are beating up on these easy teams and losing to the good teams, and this isn't going to help either way. If they win, they're going to keep the narrative going. If they lose, though, 
it gets really bad. So this is a game that they, not that the media even matters, but this is one that if they want to keep the media at bay and they want to keep that that dominant NFC force going, they have to beat the Jets this week. So I'm going to take them by two touchdowns. Yeah, for sure. All right. So we got Sunday night football Steelers going to Los Angeles, take on the Chargers. Who do you got? I'm going to the Chargers on this one. I think this is the week that the Chargers start turning it around. Uh, we're not sure if Mason Rudolph's going to be playing. I, I highly doubt it, but um, I, I'm going the Chargers. I think Melvin Gordon, this is a second game back. He's going to run the ball better. Phillip Rivers, you know, I don't expect him to have two horrible games back to back. So I think he's going to be throwing the ball better. Uh, I think the Chargers are going to win this. And honestly, I think they're going to probably win it by 10 points. Yeah, it's going to be, I think the Chargers win this. And I don't think it's because they bounce back yet. I think they're still going to struggle, but here's why they win. The Steelers starting quarterback appears to be Devlin Hodges. If you've never heard of him, neither has anyone else. Um, you're getting a guy who was looked at as a camp arm coming in and you know he's never even dressed for a game and he's going to start this week probably. Uh, the backup is going to be Paxton Lynch, it sounds like, coming off the practice squad if he does play. So I just don't think that a guy who's never really even seen dressed for a game is going to be able to come in and beat the Chargers, even if the Chargers are struggling. So uh, I think Melvin Gordon gets it going a little bit more coming against the Steelers defense. So I got the Chargers winning this one pretty easily. All right. And what should be a great NFC North matchup on Monday Night Football, we got the Lions taking on the Packers. Who do you got in this one? Going the Lions. Uh, I talked about before. I re- I think that team is for real. Um, they've looked great all season. They throw the ball. They run the ball. They have a, a sneaky good defense, I believe. Um, on Johnson, I think, is going to have a monster game against the Packers. Uh, so I'm going the Lions. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to go Packers on this one. I, I really like the Lions this year, and I think it's going to be close. But I think that mixture of a great run game for the Packers and a really good defense for the Packers mixed with having an MVP caliber quarterback, I think they've got the recipe for success. On Monday night in Lambeau, I think they beat the Lions. All right, that wraps up this episode. What can they look forward to in the fantasy episode? Yeah, we're going to be doing our our, our uh, deep dive fantasy. We're going to be talking about some of the week five matchups. We'll be talking about our week six picks, uh, players to look out for, players to sit, and some sleeper picks potentially. So uh, if you're a fantasy football player, make sure you listen to it. All right, stay tuned.